Welcome to the Adoption Connection Podcast, where we share resources by and for adoptive and foster moms. I'm Lisa Qualls. And this is Melissa Corkum. Don't worry, we get it and we're here for you. Hey, Lisa, happy Tuesday and welcome to episode 55. Hi, Melissa. It's good to hear you today. We've been talking a lot about how much we love our podcast and how much we love all of you, our listeners. It's so much fun interacting with you through the reviews that you leave, but we want to interact with you in a more personal way. We want to support you more. So we've been talking about how we can serve you even better, helping you connect with other moms who get it and surround you with support so that you know that you are not alone. Yeah, well, that's one of the biggest requests we get from people or pain points, I guess you would say, is that people feel like they just don't have enough community. They don't have any friends. So after doing some research, we wish that we could gather you all into a real live village, like Mm -hmm. maybe a little commune, like of people where we're all just together. We can all sit on each other's front porches every morning, but we can't. So what we've decided to do instead is the next best thing, which is create a private membership group, a virtual village of sorts. We will call it the Adoption Connection Village, and it will be hosted on a website called Mighty Networks. A few of the things you'll find inside are live virtual coffee chats where we're going to gather together using our computers or phones to meet on video. It's like one big FaceTime or Skype gathering. Another thing you're going to find are well-organized discussions where you can easily connect with other moms on similar journeys, such as single parenting, fostering, parenting teens, things like that. You're also going to be able to find moms in your real-life communities who are also in the village. Yeah, Mighty Networks makes it really easy to connect. So when you put in what your hometown is, it will immediately tell you other folks who are geographically close to you. So I'm really excited about that. There has not been a great way to connect you all in real life. So we want to invite you to be some of our founding members at the Adoption Connection Village. Doors are open now, but they close on September 30th at midnight, so in a little less than a week. And you can join for just under a dollar a day. It's $19.99 a month. We know your time and resources are limited, just like ours. So we want to give you a chance to sort of check it out. You can join this week's live coffee chats at no cost. We're going to be discussing the impact of adoption and foster care on siblings in the family, and we would love to hear what you have to say, or you can listen in while other people chat too. We are really excited about these. You know, this is a tough topic for a lot of us watching our other kids kind of walk through the impact of bringing kids with trauma and from hard places into our homes. So we are really excited to be able to support you guys in this way. You'll find a link to those first two coffee chats with the times and the dates and how to join them, as well as a link to the Adoption Connection Village in this week's show notes. And so you can find those at theadoptionconnection.com slash 55. If you are not a techie person, I want to assure you this is not going to be complicated. It's going to be a simple thing. We're going to give you a link. All you have to do is click it, and it it will not be hard, so give it a shot. Also, one little note, make sure that you do this on the browser, join, because the iTunes charges us extra if you 
have downloaded the Mighty Networks app and try to join our community straight through the app. So make sure you go to the show notes, theadoptionconnection.com slash 55 and click that link to join and do it on your browser. And then after that, you can definitely use the app to interact. Just don't buy the membership on the app. So today we're actually going to be talking about music and uh, Melissa interviewed music therapist Pam Perry and Pam works at a hospital and mental health facility and she shared a lot of really interesting things. So we're going to actually hear her interview and then we're going to have a conversation afterward about our experiences of using music for uh, mental health. Anyhow, and well-being. But Melissa, first, I think you're going to explain something and then introduce Pam. Yeah, so Pam is a music therapist, and she lives with her husband in Virginia. And she grew up with a sister who was on the autism spectrum. So she understands some of the challenges that our kids face in terms of emotional regulation. Growing up, music was a really important bonding activity for their family. They would sing together, play instruments together, even make up silly songs. So music was really an integral part of her growing up years. And she'll talk more about how she got into music therapy and even what that is in our interview. But I just wanted to make a quick distinction before we get started. The distinction between listening therapy, which is gaining a lot of ground and research as well. Listening therapy is a little bit different. It's when we listen to a very specific set of music where the frequencies and the rhythms are designed to create changes in our brain. What Pam is talking about is music therapy, which is um, using music to help someone towards a non-musical goal, like emotional regulation or of social anxiety and things like that. So here is my interview with Pam. Hey, Pam, welcome to the Adoption Connection podcast. Hi. So tell us a little bit about how you even got involved in music therapy until we connected. I didn't even know there was such a thing. Oh, yeah, really? (laughs) I didn't know you weren't familiar. Music therapy, I actually didn't know what it was before I got involved in it either. So I was looking for a major for study with at a university, and I really enjoyed music, and I also wanted to help people, and I just didn't know what the right major was. Um, And my mother and I started looking around at universities, and we came across this music therapy major. And we read into it and saw how it was using music to help people change their lives. And so I was like, wow, this is awesome. It's exactly the things that I wanted to do. It it also, part of my journey to music therapy includes, um, I had a grandmother who had Alzheimer's disease. And she wouldn't respond to anything except for music. Like she was always kind of angry or irritable. And then we would sing with her and she would just smile and like direct like she was a choir, like we were a choir. And she could also remember how to play the piano and we would sing with her. So that was kind of like a big um, important part for me for kind of seeing that music really can influence people in a way that like we can't describe it. Yeah, that's so cool. What a beautiful story. 
tell us a little bit more of what are the benefits, especially for children who have experienced some kind of chronic stress or trauma? What do you see are the benefits of exposing them to something like music therapy? I sometimes like to reference, I don't know if you've heard of the study, the ACEs study, Adverse Childhood Experiences. Yeah, definitely. Um, that kind of talks about how people who have experienced um, adverse things in their childhood have kind of like this repeated thing in their brain where like they're always in a state of fight or flight mode. And music is a way that we can help people kind of get out of that mode. So like help people relax and de-stress and um, change their mindset and especially with children it can be fun for them so they don't really know that they're actually learning a coping skill they're just like oh I'm playing bells or oh I'm playing a drum or oh I'm singing with somebody or dancing to music and it's kind of learning a way to get their mind out of that fight or flight mode but they're just doing it for fun and it seems fun for them. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about what your current position is and the population that you work with. Um, so I'm currently a part-time music therapist at Dominion Hospital. It's a mental health hospital. So they serve children, adults, adolescents, and eating disorder patients. And so there's a lot of pe- individuals who have experienced trauma. And also, I'm sure that there are patients there who you know, are going through an adoption. I've, I've met some patients who their parents adopted them or whatever, and so they work together. I don't get to work with the families, unfortunately, but I do get to work with the patients directly. And we do a lot of activities where we um, will sing songs together. And it sounds kind of simple, but in reality, it's kind of this powerful thing where individuals get a chance to make a decision. So I have a songbook, they pick a song, Um, And then we sing the song together and we talk about like, why did you pick that song? Why was it meaningful to you? Um, And they get to share a little bit about themselves in that way. We also do music making. Um, It can be fun to create new music together. It can help build self-esteem. I've also taught people how to play ukulele or the guitar or the piano or different things like that, which is also great for helping build self-esteem and with music therapy it's a little bit different than like a traditional teaching approach it's you kind of start with really simple so people are um, successful right from the start and then they can like learn progressively more complex if I'm teaching them things Um, I also do like songwriting which is great for like adolescents they can Um, get an opportunity to express their own emotions um, in a way that's less threatening than just talking about it. Yeah, that's so interesting. We talk a lot here at the Adoption Connection about one of the best things that we can do as parents is kind of have this shared control with our kids and that when they have that sense of control that can help them if they've experienced, you know, traumatic experiences where they felt like they didn't have control. So I love how, you know, they get to choose what they're doing with you or choose the song. I love what you said about self-esteem, about those like early wins, because I do see that a lot of our kids really struggle with self-esteem. They may have a lot of shame. They may not have been told from an early age that they were precious or great kids and all of these things. What have you seen in kids? Like what are some of the transformations you see as these kids get these tiny wins and you help build their self-esteem through music? Um, Kind of 
of what's the transformation look like? So where I work, it's a short-term facility. So I don't get to see like huge transformations, which, you know, is something people always want to hear. They want to hear like the big fancy story, but really it's just the little things. Like I see one kid one day, you know, screaming. And then the next day, you know, he's sitting in his chair, you know, it's just a small thing. You see him one day being mean to some other kid and the next day, or even just during the group, like, hey, how can we resolve this conflict between you two? Can we do it with using music? Um, Can you guys play some music together? You know, it's just really small things where they're able to, those are the changes I've seen. At a place I used to work, Before I worked at Dominion, I wasn't a music therapist, but I used music and I taught one girl how to play the piano. That one was cool because she kind of built this self-confidence when she started playing because at first she was like, I can't do this. I'm not good at anything. And then suddenly she was printing off music for herself and choosing songs. And then all I did was sit there and she just played music for Anytime I was on a shift, she would just be like, hey, hey, come listen to this. And we would sing together. And so she kind of had almost like grasped onto it herself. And I didn't really have to dictate how she did it. She felt like it was a coping skill for herself. Yeah, that's really cool. So for those of us who don't have a degree in music theory, maybe not may not even be musically inclined. What are some things that we can be doing at home with our kids that involve music? Where do we start? Yeah, that's a great question. I actually have been thinking about this one a lot because it can be hard to do music stuff if you don't feel like you're musical yourself. I think, first of all, listening to music, but not just listening, but being mindful about the kind of music you're listening to. How does it influence you? Um, Also, if you have like adolescent um, kids, I think asking them what kind of music they enjoy and then like really talking about it, not just being like, oh, that's interesting, but like, oh, why do you like this music? What is so important about it to you? Is it how it sounds? Is it the lyrics? Like what is meaningful to you in this music? Um, Taking time to listen together. And for younger children, I think they have little kits of like little music instruments you can get. And just playing those um, with your kids can be helpful. In music therapy, there's this principle, it's called the ISO principle. Um, It means you start where they're at and you kind of work your way towards where you want to be. So if your kid is really hyper, maybe you can start by like, if you have like, one of those music kits or something, you know, playing a drum with them really fast, like, follow me, like, repeat after me, play the drum really fast, and then maybe they'll play back, and then, like, kind of slow it down, and maybe that can help the kid reduce their energy level, but I do recommend, and I kind of have to recommend that if you really want to, like, see the benefits of it, really go seek out a music therapist in your area, There should be some everywhere you can look up on um, musictherapy.org for a music therapist if you're really concerned and you really want to have an individualized plan because really it's it's a one-on-one thing. So I can't really say there's like a fix it for everyone. It's kind of very, it's a very individualized kind of system. I appreciate that. 
what is the difference between, you know, like you've mentioned that you've taught kids how to play instruments as part of your therapy. How is what you're doing with those kids different than just like straight up music lessons? Yeah, that's a good question. So in music lessons, the goal is oftentimes just to learn to play the instrument. Music therapy is kind of, the goal is usually an outside, it's outside a musical goal. So for example, I talked about self-esteem could be a goal or um, attention, like building attention to a task could be a goal. And usually the goals are non-musical in nature. And so it's we're using music as a way to reach a non-musical goal. That, that would be the main difference between just traditional music lessons and um, music therapy. Well, that's a great distinction. Okay, so as parents, parenting kids who have PTSD and who have really challenging behaviors, a lot of times we find as parents that we're stressed out ourselves, we have our own PTSD symptoms, um, and at the end of the day, you know, we can only control ourselves. You know, we might really think that music therapy would be fantastic for our kids, but sometimes they dig their heels in, they don't want to do it. How can music therapy benefit parents who have PTSD from parenting these kids, you know? How, what would you say to parents in terms of music and their own, meeting their own needs and caring for themselves? Um, I would say that, again, you can also seek out a music therapist for you, not just for your kid, but also if you don't have the means or the time or you feel like you can't do that. Something I personally do, which is um, I create my own playlists, like have my own separate music specifically for me. You know, this is my music. This is my time. Set time aside for that. Um, I also like to do music in relaxation. Um, I will listen to music and just focus on breathing and different things like that, just so that I can take some time to relax. But I think it really comes down to giving yourself time to do it because you may feel like you don't have time, but really it's important to give yourself time because your kids will appreciate it better if you are not, you know, running around and just being like, you know what, I need to be relaxed. And so I'm going to give myself some time. Um, So there are recordings out there you can find for either meditation or relaxation not going to say there's one that's like the best for anyone because it's kind of individualized so you kind of have to do some searching around um they also do there is music therapy specifically for relaxation there are several different outlets for that so if you really do want to try doing music for relaxation or for working on ptsd specifically you really can find a music therapist to help you with those individual goals yeah, that's so cool. It's so fascinating. So is there anything else that you would want people to know about music therapy, about what the benefits that you see, about what you do? Um, any last takeaways? I think it's just the main takeaway is if even if you think you are not musical, it doesn't mean music therapy is not for you because music therapy isn't about being good at music. It's about using music to accomplish a goal. And I think most people can agree that if you have heard a beautiful piece of music, it influences you in some way. You can feel it in your heart. And that's kind of the thing that we're using with music. It's not that you have to be a musician. It's that if music has influenced you in any way, music therapy 
would be something that you could try out. And definitely it's, I'm going to say it's not for everyone, but definitely it's worth giving it a try, especially if you feel like you really connect with music. Last question. If someone's listening and they're thinking, oh, I had no idea that this was, you know, a professional outlet, or I think my child, you know, or my young adult may be really good at this. You know, where are the places where you can find music therapy as a major? Are there things you recommend? What would you recommend to someone kind of where you were a couple years ago thinking, oh yeah, I didn't know I could do this. I might be interested. Where would you go to find out more information? Like I said, if you go to www.musictherapy.org, they have all the resources that you need. Um, You can look up universities that offer the major if that's something you are interested in pursuing. They also will have a listing of music therapists in your area. Um, And also there are, sometimes there are bi-state music therapy associations. So like I live in Virginia, so I could type in like Virginia Music Therapy Association. Um, It'll pull up a website and it has a list of the music therapists in Virginia or wherever you live. You might be able to find a music therapist that way. And if you and any additional questions about like what is music therapy, like what's the research behind it, because I think a lot of people are skeptical because they don't think that it's an evidence-based practice, but it definitely is. There's tons of research um, showing how it can help reduce stress and reduce pain and all these different things. Um, But definitely musictherapy.org has all the information that you need. Yeah. And you've provided our listeners with a fantastic uh, download as well, PDF with the answer to some of those questions and has list specific case studies for those, that evidence. So thanks for that. We'll definitely put a link to that in the show notes. Pam, thanks so much for your time. This is really fascinating. Something I'm, someone just asked me actually the other day, if our youngest son had ever done music lessons, I was talking about some things that we're struggling with. And now I'm thinking, oh, maybe he doesn't need music lessons. I think maybe he needs music therapy. So <laughs> yeah. I'm off to go check out the website and find out a little bit more information. Thanks again for being here with us. Yeah, no problem. That was a really interesting interview, Melissa. I'm so glad that um, Pam was on the show with you. And I think she brought up some really interesting points about the power of music to move people toward goals that are non-music related. I think that's so, so, so interesting. And, you know, um, I read a, an article that had, that was referencing a research paper that said that music stimulates more parts of the brain than any other human function. So it really impacts our brain in so many different areas. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. And we also know that music helps to reduce the stress hormone cortisol. I think we can all use less cortisol in our lives. And, and music's fun. It, it evokes happy feelings, or it can. I think it's unifying a lot of times, even if we can't find common ground on a lot of things. You know, there's certain songs that kind of bring people together. I mean, it brings people together on the dance floor at a wedding, even people who think they hate music or never dance, you know. So there's a lot of power in music. Right. Yeah. So music has actually been linked to dopamine release, which is that feel good neurotransmitter that makes us all feel better. And I I think you're right that music is a unifying thing. We were literally just at a camp where we sang together every night at a campfire, all the songs that we do every year. And the camp's tradition is 
we close every campfire singing lean on me and everybody puts their arms around each other, you know? So that song starts and we are all connected together. So you're right. I think music has this unique ability to build connection. So when we're talking about our children, um, you know, a lot of us are working toward connection with our kids and helping them regulate, you know, way, way back in a different episode, Robin Goebel told us that, um, things that are rhythmic, repetitive, and relational. Was there one more thing? There was a fourth thing. Yes. Uh, oh, and sensory. Just, yes, yeah. sensory, just using our bodies. Right. That all of those things help with regulation for children. And I think they also help with building attachment. So, you know, you think about simple songs we sing with young children and how we're singing the same words together and it's repetitive and rhythmic and all those things. I just think music can be really powerful with our children. I definitely grew up with a mom who sang a lot of songs with us and we would sing in the car and it was just very woven into our lives. Yeah. I know that that research that Robin shared with us about the rhythmic, repetitive, relational goes back to some of the most basic processes that our body has, which are rhythmic, right? Our heartbeat, our breathing is rhythmic, the most basic part of our brain. And so those rhythmic things help create regulation in that lowest part of our brain uh, because we need a steady heart rate to feel regulated and safe. And it's just so fascinating to me. Um, A lot of that research came from Bruce Perry. And we'll definitely link to Robin's episode where she talks about that in the show notes. I'm pretty sure it's episode 25. (laughs) Well, I wanted to mention too, in terms of music promoting regulation, that there was a period of time where... um, we were working with Calcadon a lot on helping her learn to regulate. And we made a calming corner in our house and she chose the things she wanted in it to help her calm down when she could feel herself becoming dysregulated. And one of the things she wanted was music. And so we loaded a little iPod with the songs that she chose. And that was just part of her toolkit of calming tools. And so I think, even children can recognize that music helps them calm. It can, it can go both ways. It can, it can liven things up and make kids happy. It can, you know, we can choose music that's calming, that brings them down. I just, I also think in terms of the relational nature of it that, you know, like I mentioned at our camp that we have special songs we sing every year. Well, for decades, we've put our kids to bed at night and sung certain songs to them every night. That's usually Russ's routine. And so those are traditions in our family. And I think that that's an important touch point for um, connection as well. Yeah, we used to use songs as kind of an anchoring thing for our kids. When they were feeling really calm as we were getting ready for bed, we always played the same music CD every night. And it was almost like, you know, the dogs and the bell. It was almost like, when it was bedtime, as soon as that song came on, the first song of the CD, you know, it's almost like the kids' bodies couldn't help but fall asleep because they were used to that rhythm and that predictability. Um, and one of our daughters who really struggled with regulation relied heavily on music as well. And she loved having her own little MP3 player and a set of headphones. And she could kind of escape from everything that was going on and use music to regulate. And I didn't understand what was going on when she was doing it, but it was a super helpful tool in her her toolbox as well. So Pam has given us a fantastic download from the American Music Therapy Association, all about music therapy and mental health. 
it's kind of a frequently asked questions of sorts, but there's also a nice long list of uh, bibliography of research in case you're really interested in the science behind this. We'll have links to the past episodes of Robbins that we talked about, as well as a place for you to download this handout on the show notes. And as always, you can find this at theadoptionconnection.com slash 55. Don't forget to join us for this week's coffee chats. We're really looking forward to seeing you. All of the information on how to join that will be in our show notes at theadoptionconnection.com slash 55. Before you go, we'd love to connect with you on social media. You can find us on Facebook or Instagram as The Adoption Connection. Thanks so much for listening. We love having you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a quick review over on iTunes. It will help us reach more moms who may be feeling alone. And remember, until next week, you're a good mom doing good work and we're here for you. The music for the podcast is called New Day and was created by Lee Rosevere.